Hello and welcome to Journeys in Grace. My name is Eric Hubbard. I want to thank you for joining us today as we study the Word of God. There are two ways you can reach us. First, by mail at Pastor Eric, Post Office Box 4473, Marietta, Georgia, 30061, or by email at Pastor Eric 523 at gmail.com. Again, that's Pastor Eric 523 at gmail.com. And today we're going to continue our studies of Paul and his uh, uh, walk in the ministry and how that God uh, just took him from a man who, if we read over in the book of uh, uh, Acts chapter 8, how that when the Lord called out to him and said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And this is when Saul was on the, he was on the road to do further persecuting, on the road to further take people and throw them into jail because they were preaching about the Lord, Lord Jesus Christ, and Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? And Paul and Saul said, Lord, who are you? And I think that's where many of us, we hear God's voice, we hear him calling us to salvation and we get saved. But what do we do with that salvation? And we're going to read today the life of, of Saul, who later became known as Paul, how that he continued on his journey allowing God to lead him, to guide him, direct him by the, through the Holy Ghost and, and, and showing him who he was and what he must do. And we'll read that. I'll just pull this out and read this for you over in the book of Genesis, around the eighth chapter. I think it's Genesis, uh, I'm sorry, the book of Acts 8 and 8. How that when uh, God called Paul, whose name was Saul at this time, he, uh, he said to him over here, in, in the, I'm sorry, Genesis uh Acts 8, 4, he's, he said, um, when the Lord met him on the road to Damascus, he said, Saul fell to the ground, fell to the earth in verse number 4, and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said it twice. He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you hurting my church? Why are you uh, 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 being a menace to my, to, my, to my disciples, to my apostles, to my children? And what did Saul say? He said, Lord, in the fifth verse, who are you, Lord? In other words, he's saying again, I don't know you. I don't know this voice. And Jesus got a little closer. He said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. For it is hard for you to kick against the brick. And again, I'll say that many of us, we've started the race. We've heard God's call. We know he's calling us. And I'm talking about first the call to salvation. Then there's a call to some place in ministry, whether you are a minister, whether you are a, uh, and I, I won't say a minister, whether you are a pulpit preacher, whether you are uh, in, in, in music, whether whatever office or whatever um, area the Lord uh, desires to use you in, we first must hear him, get to know him. And as we read this, we see, we go on to further how the Lord leads him by the Holy Spirit, and he tells him by his voice. He tells him by the prophet. He tells him by the Spirit that, look, I've got something for you to go, but you got to follow me. Follow me. Get to know me. Get to know my voice. Get to know who I am. Get to know my, 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 my leaning, my leadings to you, and get to know sometimes there's a check. There's a check in our spirit when we sort of feel an uneasiness. Uh, the gospel writer says, it said, as you have uh, received Christ, so walk ye in him. And I quote that verse from Philemon, uh, verse one and six. It says, 
as you so receive Christ, as you ever as you have received Christ, so walk ye in him. Walk in him with confidence, with peace, and faith, knowing that as this if this is how God brought you in, this is how he wants you to continue in the peace of God. The peace of God. Uh, uh, rule in your heart. Look for peace. Look for look for God to lead you in peace. When you're making that deal, when you're making that decision, when you're choosing the way to go, look for peace. Look for peace. It doesn't mean, I'm not saying that everything you do is going to be smooth and easy. And when you make a decision that you won't uh, encounter roadblocks, you won't encounter uh, trials and tribulations, you won't encounter uh, 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 opposition. Because that's what the Satan do is, he wants to present so much pressure on you that you will give up. But what we have to do, we have to put pressure on him. How do we put pressure on, on, on Satan? By speaking the word and standing on it. By standing and saying, you know what? Satan, the Lord rebuke you. He brings something against you. Say, the Lord says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against me, I shall condemn. So we speak the word against it. And continue to walk by faith. Keep going. Knowing that Jesus is with me. So as we read today in the book of Acts, in the 13th chapter, in verse number uh, 1 through uh, 4, I believe, we're going to read first how that the Lord called uh, Saul out and commissioned him. And let's go now to uh, Acts 13. I'm going to start reading the first verse. And it reads, And there was in the church that was in Antioch certain prophets and teachers. So these were men uh, who the Lord had uh, called out. Uh, they were believers, but these were one. The Lord not only called he not only called men. <laughs> there were other parts in the uh, in Acts where it says that there were the daughters of one of the brethren. That all of them were uh, all the ladies. All of them were prophetess. And as we read these scriptures, know that later on, as we read about uh, the life of Saul, how he said that there's neither male nor female in Christ Jesus, but we are all one. We are all one. God can use male. He can use female. He can use young. He's, he can use the old. Where, and no matter where you are, if you're in him and you are yielded to him. And we know when you yield, it means when we're driving and we yield, we allow the other car to go and, and, and be first. That's what we must be with Christ. We must let him be first. We must follow after him. So we are seeing that the disciples, they yielded. In the third, second, second verse of, of Acts 13, 2, it says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. And if we'll just take a little bit of time to talk about the ministering. It says they ministered to the Lord. Now, uh, I can see ministering to the people. We can see that. We know that the minister gets up, whether it's male or female, a pastor could be a, a traveling evangelist or evangelist in the church or the deacon gets up and speaks, whomever. But the point being, they ministered. But I think this is talking about a different ministry. See, when we minister to God, that means that he's the focus. Whether it's through worship, through song, through reading, through meditation. They said they ministered to the Lord and fasted. I believe they, God was the focus in this time. That all of the outside distractions that could have led them away from their purpose, they dismissed them and said, Lord, it's all about you. It's all about you now. This is, this is your time. We're looking for your leading. We're looking for your word. And we will stay here as Jesus led the disciples when he, when he promised them the Holy Spirit. He says, go to Jerusalem and stay there. 
to receive the promise of the Father. The Holy Spirit is coming. I told you in John uh, 14, 15, and 16, 13, 14, 15, how that he's coming. And this is what Christ is saying to us now, that we have the Holy Spirit. Jesus is coming again. And now, as we minister to his church, we minister to those who are out in the streets. We minister to those who are in our inner circle and our sphere of influence. Those people who, who, hadn't, who hadn't ever heard your pastor preach, they never uh, uh, come to, they never visited your church, they never uh, uh, turned on a, uh, uh, they might have passed a minister on television, but they, that's not, that's not their, uh, that's not their, uh, their, their, their interest now. But what they do have is you. You have influence because you have their, their time, you have their ear. Show them Christ. And it doesn't have to be a Bible verse. Show them love. Pray for them. Ask them, how can I help you? How can I be, how can I be a blessing to you? You look like you're troubled today. Can, can we pray about this? You know, would, would you like prayer? This, this is the way we minister. You know, not telling them they're going to hell. Not telling them uh, their mistakes and, 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 and their faults and how they missed it. Most of the time we know that. If you're saying in your right mind and when you made a, a, a critical error, you know that. You beat yourself up over and over and over again. But we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. We have the light of God on the inside. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works. They see you forgiving. They see you yielding. They see your humility. And humility does not mean that we are weak that we are docile, that we allow the world to trample over us. No, but it means that I know who I am. I walk this walk with confidence. I speak words of wisdom and, and, and knowledge. I don't have to be first. I don't have to be the loudest. I'm going to let God speak for me. And when I speak, I speak with the wisdom that God has given me, that wisdom from above, that easily to be entreated. It's gentle so that I don't have to holler at you, but you know because you have an ear. You know God when you hear God. You know truth when you hear truth. Because if you know truth, then when a lie is spoken, you reject it. Let's go on. And it says that when they had fasted, I'm sorry, uh, rest part of that 13th two, it says they had fasted and the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Paul and Silas, for I got a work for them to do. The next verse in, in three says, and when they had fasted and prayed, laid their hands on them, then they sent them away. And it goes on to say, so they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost departed unto Seleucia and from there they sailed to Cyprus. So these men, they waited. They allowed God to lead them. They were patient to hear him. And they were quiet. They had to, they had to find a place of quiet and of peace. So that God could speak to them no matter where they were. And that peace could be, it could be a thousand people around you. But when you're in your place of peace, you're in a place to where you can hear God. And if right in the midst of the worst hurricanes of problems that you could face, where there's, where there's noise all around, there's auguring and debates, you can sit there in peace. Knowing, Lord, I've heard from you. I have confidence in the middle where the, where, where, where the, the, the judge is getting ready to announce his decision. Guilty or not guilty. And that may not be a, a criminal case. Maybe a, maybe a civil case. 
It could cost you millions. And the case could go against you. You got to know, brother, I trust you. You said you had my back. I'm gonna, you're going to give me the answer of what I have to pay or whether I'm going to pay out or what I'm going to receive. I trust you because you have my back. And this is what the disciples were doing here in the Acts 13. We see, see how the, the elementary, the elements, the details of how they followed God. They prayed about it. They listened. And as the Lord led, that's what they did. And after God spoke, they left. I heard one man, man, man of God say, if you don't hear nothing, don't do nothing. Sometimes we ask God and we don't hear anything. It's not because God didn't hear us. It's not because uh, he's not going to answer us, but we have to wait. You remember how back in uh, the days of Saul and, and Samuel, how did uh, the prophet, uh, the leader uh, Samuel spoke to Saul and said, wait, you wait seven days. Because there was a battle coming. The Philistines, uh, Philistines rather, had came out. They were getting ready to fight Israel. Saul had some of the people with him, but not all of them. But Samuel didn't go with him. He said, you wait, I'm coming. Well, some of the people got impatient. They started leaving. And Saul too got impatient. He said, all the people are leaving me. He didn't know only thing he needed was the man of God. Because if, if when Samuel came, God came. That was in their day. Today, we have God on the inside of us. As long, I've heard one woman of God say, as long as there's God, there's hope. As long as there's God, as long as God lives. And we know the Father is forever. He is from forever to forever. So as long as God lives, there's hope. But what did Saul do? He saw the people leaving, leaving him. He lost hope. And, and he did some, a thing that only the prophet and priest should do. He offered sacrifice. That was not his job. And because he did, when Samuel got there, he said, because you have disobeyed and you, I'm, these are my words now, and you had more confidence in the people. And because of their leaving, God has taken a kingdom from you and given it to another. And rather than the, than, than, than the king saying, forgive me, uh, uh, man of God, help me. I repent for what I've done. What did he say? He said, come, come with me. For the, because the people were, he was going to be embarrassed in the eyes of the people if Samuel left him. He was all concerned about the people. But these men here in, in, in uh, Acts 13, they waited, they heard, they obeyed. God spoke, he sent them, they went. He didn't, God doesn't do everything the same way all the time. But these men were willing to wait on God. And this is what Saul, before Saul was a worker for God, he thought he was going out, grabbing the saints and throwing them in the prison. You know, he said over in uh, uh, the book of, of Philippians, how that he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He, he did. He followed the law to all of, to his ability. He knew the law. He had went to school for it. From childhood to adulthood, he was all about the law. He, was, he said he was more zealous than all of his friends, than all of his associates. Saul was the chief bounty hunter. But now he's been called to walk the walk of Christ. Now he's got to hear. Now he's got to listen. 
Now, it's not about what he can do for God. It's about what God can do in him. And that is the work that God wants to do. And what he wants in the New Testament believer is not what we can do in our flesh. But it's what he has done through grace in us. It's an inside job. God works on the inside. Yes, I believe fasting and praying has its place. Yes, reading and studying the word has its place. But above all of them, it's the work that the Holy Spirit will do in you that will cause your light to shine. Light just shines. When it's on, people are drawn. Everything's drawn to the light. Everything. Because if you, when you, if you ever go out into the, uh, into, into the night where there are no street lights and it's dark, you can have pin light and people will come to it. Insects will come to it. If you're out in battle and you strike a match, somebody will tell you to put that out. Because they know the eye is drawn to the light. So is the spirit. The spirit is drawn to the light. Jesus says, so let your light shine before men that they will see your good works and glorify God, which is in heaven. God wants to do a work and will do and is doing a work in his New Testament church in these days. That's going to call the, 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 the mind and the ears of the people to tingle. They're going to hear of the miracle work and si uh, signs and works of God, but it will be done through people who are listening. It will be done through people who are yielded. Yes, God needs your hands. He needs your feet. He needs your heart. He needs your mouth. He needs your ears most of all and your heart because in the heart, the Bible says, man believe. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. But work starts in the heart. It's the inside man. That's why Jesus said man looks on the outward appearance. But God looked at the heart. It's the heart of a man. It's the heart of a woman. It's the heart of a person. When your heart is changed, because that's what God is looking at. He sees the, the, the heathen will feed the hungry. The unbeliever will see, can see a need, see somebody hurt on the side of the road. And stop and help them change a tire or, or, or give them a push to get out of the street. But God looks at the heart. Of, of all of us. And say, where's your heart at? I want to know you. I want you to know me. Get to know me. And I can use you. But as long as it's about you and what you did, how you serve, what you, who knows your name, how many scriptures you can quote, how many people you witness to, how many people comes to your church. It's all about the inside man and how we minister to God. And we only can minister God to God because God's in us. If he's not in you. He said every blood, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Everybody ought to praise him. From the biggest sinner to the least. But what did he tell the woman at the well? They that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. And I believe that's what they were doing over here in Acts. When they ministered to God, they were worshiping him and glorifying him. And you can worship and glorify God 
with just a whisper. Yes, you could do it at the top of your lungs. You could dance on the floor and run around the church and jump over pews, all those things. But worship with God is done from the expression, from the, what's happening on the inside. Let's move down. Let's, let's go on now. Let's go on down to the uh, same chapter, um, Acts 13. Let's go down to the 32nd verse. Now, remember, God just sent um, uh, Paul and Barnabas out. And we go down to the 32nd verse. And now they begin to speak to the people and to tell them about who God is. And we're going to see uh, uh, the effects of a God-led men and how they listen to God and the result of a submitted heart, a submitted spirit, somebody who knows who they are. So you can be, you, it's, it's, it's difficult to, it, when you are not, when you don't really know God, you don't have that confidence in him. God is merciful. Now, don't get, misunderstand me in thinking that, you know, that everything I do, I got to do it perfectly. You know, I got to be holy. No, it's not about your holiness. It's about his holiness. We are the righteousness of God because Christ is righteous. I am holy because he's holy. Scripture says that my holiness is like a filthy rag in and of my flesh. But in him, I am as he is, says John 4, 17. First John 4, 17. As he is, so am I in this world. Just as Jesus is in my spirit, the perfection that Christ is in his spirit right now, I am perfect in my spirit. Notice I said spirit, not my flesh. My soul is being, uh, 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 is being changed as I am changed by the word of God. The flesh is going to be changed at the resurrection day. But in my spirit, remember that spirit that Jesus said that, uh, that we are all things have become bold, all things, old things have become new. In the book of Corinthians 5, 17. When Christ comes in our life, that old man is gone. He's dead. And some of us, we're living with a dead man. We're dragging around that dread, dead man by saying, you know what? I'm an old sinner saved by grace. Every time they say, who, who are you? I'm an old sinner saved by grace. If you're still a sinner, you're not saved. But we've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. We are his. He is ours. Why? Because Christ lives on the inside of you. We don't even live by our own faith. We live by the faith of the Son of God. That's why when we believe and we are believing by grace through faith, we believe with his faith. And I never read where Jesus' faith failed. So his faith doesn't fail. And I'm believing with his faith. So I Therefore, when I pray, with confidence, I can say, I believe that I receive through him. Let's go down. 1332. And Paul is speaking. He says, and we declare unto you the glad tidings, how that the promise which was made unto the fathers. God has fulfilled the same unto us, their children, and that he has raised up Jesus again, as is written in the second Psalm. There art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Paul, remember again, again, who is speaking? Paul, whose name was changed from Saul. He's now saying, God's made a change, y'all. I know that you've heard you sacrificed animals, you sacrificed doves, you brought 
uh, uh, wheat offerings and bread offering. You brought in the oil and the wheat and all these things on the feast days. You celebrated Hanukkah and 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 and, and the, uh, the 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 uh, Passover. All of these things you celebrate in your in our Jewish religion, the new moons and the uh, uh, the, the the jubilee year and all of these things. You did it faithfully. But I want to tell you now, God has made a change. Can you imagine the people that knew Saul, that knew him before, and knew how strict he was? And see, this is what is hindering the 21st uh, year, 21st century church, is that some of us are doing some of the same traditions before we got saved. We knew about church. We knew about Jesus, but we didn't know him. Paul heard about Jesus, but now that he's discovered him and discovered that Jesus works on the inside, that the, 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 our worship of Christ must be now done through faith. That's why he wrote in Ephesians and says that we are saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not about our uh, 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 keeping of the law and keeping of the feast days and keeping of, of the Sabbath and all of those things. All of those things were good because the law is perfect. But the problem is we weren't perfect. Therefore, the law was a hindrance to us because as the apostle James said, I believe in the first chapter of James, it says that uh, know this, that if you offend in one thing of the law, if you offend not only in the one of the big 10, but the other 603 laws, if you offend in one of the 603 plus 10, if you offend in one of the 613 laws, you are guilty of all. But now he's saying, God has raised up Jesus. And we're going to read on down. We're going to skip a little bit. And I'm counting on you to just keep reading with me as we walk through this. Uh, let's go down now to uh, the verse number 39. It says, And by him... All that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. He said, beware lest that come upon you, which is spoken of in the prophets. Behold, you despisers and wanderers and perish. For I work a work in your days, a work which you shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. The prophets prophesied that in the last days, after Christ has risen, there's going to be a word spoken that the people will not believe it. Though God do wonders before them, they saw him raise the dead, heal the sick, open blinded eyes, touch the leper. He did all these things openly before them. And yet they still didn't believe it because it didn't fit their criteria. They didn't like because, you know what? <laughs> Messiah couldn't have come from Nazareth. What did Philip say? When they testified of him that the Messiah had come. He said, oh, he's, he's from, uh, he's in Nazareth. Can any good thing come from Nazareth? That low downtown? Who would, wh what prophet has ever come from there? But he didn't know. This was the thing that was of God. It was marvelous that God took Christ from Nazareth. One of the lowest places that the people thought in all of Israel. Can't nobody. How the world could a Messiah come from Nazareth? They were looking for him to come from Herod's house. They were looking for him to come from the mansion. And then ascend down in his royal robe. That's the same thing they spoke about John the Baptist. 
Jesus said, what did you go out for to see? A man decked out in the uh, in royal robes, coming in on his seven on his uh, seven forty seven, then flying over on his in, in his uh, in his helicopter, then having uh, uh, his twenty one gun salute, and then he comes out and preaches to you in the temple. No, what did what did John do? John came out wearing camel hair. History says that people who had who you know camel hair came from camel, so basically it was camel skin. And it was, they said camel hair stunk when it got wet. It stank. But John came with humility and in obedience. He came prophesying. There's one coming after me. And they said that he was preaching in the wilderness. He did not go to the temple. He preached out in the wilderness. They said there's a wild man out there. He, people are coming. Because he was, John was declaring the works of God. He was laying the groundwork. And because he did this thing, the people came out. They loved him. They recognized who he was. This man, and, they, and when they came, they said, what must we do? The Roman soldiers came to him. The publicans, the sinners. Even the word got sold that the Pharisees and scribes came out. And John spoke to all of them. But it was prophesied that Jesus was coming. So as we read on down, we get really close today. And uh, as we read down, down, let's go down now to the uh, 44th verse. And it says, in the next Sabbath day came all, almost the whole city together to hear the word of God from Philip, from uh, Paul and Saul. But when the Jews saw the multitude, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Why were they doing this? Because Paul was now outside of their realm. He was, he was stepping outside of what they thought the limits were because the Gentiles were coming and he had a huge crowd and people didn't like it because he, didn't, he wasn't one of the crew. Now when he was one of the crew, he fit right in. But now that he's proclaiming the, the, the love and the power of God and that Christ not only wanted the Jew, he wanted the Gentile as well. That the arms of God was not going to be restricted to Israel, but he said, let all come. Jesus said, whosoever will, let him come. Now all the restrictions had come off because Jesus first came to his own. And as scripture says, he received, his own received him not. But then it goes down to say the 46th verse, it says, Paul and Barnabas, they begin to preach more boldly. And they said, it was necessary that the word would come to you first. But he says, but seeing... But seeing ye put it from you and judge your own selves unworthy everlasting life, he said, we turn to the Gentiles. And when they said that, there was an uproar. Let's go down to verse 50. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women, chief men of the city, and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and kicked them out of the city. But what did Paul and Barnabas do? They took off the, but they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came unto Arconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Now you would think that they left in defeat. Wait a minute, you, the whole city was with you. Man, you got, but y'all got kicked out. Only thing you had to do was change your message and make friends and, and make friends with the Jews. But no, Paul had wisdom and knew. 
God has changed direction. And this is what I'm saying to you as I close out today. Keep your ears open, your eyes aware. We are in the last of the last days. A revival is coming. It's not going to come like the old revival. It's not going to come like the, like the old ways. God changes his ways, but his word will never change. His work of deliverance, of holiness, of sanctification, they are here. God is still holy. God is still sanctified. God is still, he desires truth in the inward man. But God's got a way that you know not of, that I know not of. But he will reveal it to us if we walk in the spirit of love and humility. Being willing to say, you know what, Lord? Your way, not my way. Your will, not my will. And we'll see the glorious, wonderful power of God in the lives, not only in our lives, but in the lives of our children, of our family, and in those around us. That took because God wants to make impact. The world is getting darker, but the light of Christ is getting brighter and brighter. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for those who hear us today. Thank you for this word. We pray, God, in all things, we put you first. And we thank you, God, that your word goes forth, Lord. And we as your people, God, we call upon you because you are faithful and true. You are honorable, O Lord, and you are holy. And most of all, God, you are loving. You love us all. You love the sinner. You love the backslider. You love those who are, Lord, maybe broken in their heart for the loss of a loved one. You love those, Lord, who may have suffered divorce and through, been through abuse. You love those children, oh God, who, who may, some may be sick or with a, a, a terminal illness, God. Your love is still here. We pray, oh God, in the name of Jesus, oh God, that we will be a light in wherever we go. That we will show you, Lord, in the love that we have for one another. That the world will see that we are the children of God. And they will glorify God in heaven as we work the works of Jesus Christ. We pray, God, for those who are not saved today. We pray, Lord, that they would come unto you. And we pray, Lord, as they are prayerfully, Lord, they repeat this prayer after us. Lord, I come to you now. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe, Lord, that you shed your blood for me. You took on my sins that I can take on your righteousness. You took on my sickness that I can take on your healing. Now, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I thank you, Lord, that you are my Lord. I receive you as my Savior. I receive you as my God. And I thank you by faith as I am received into the family of God. Now fill me with your Holy Ghost, Lord. Lead me, O oh Lord, as I begin to study your word. Teach me and show me the way to go. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Join us again next time on Journeys in Grace.